most of us use industry standards as a measurement for our work to validate what we do, to help us build processes. As users, we simply know we have them at our disposal and we should use them. But what really goes into creating an industry standard? Well, today I'm pleased to welcome to our program once again, Russ Kenzior, the chairman and founder of the National Floor Safety Institute, or NFSI. Russ, welcome. How are you today? Doing good, Jeff. Good to see you again. Good to see you. You know, we've talked about slip and fall and products and testing, but let's talk about industry standards. Do you know anything about them? Yeah, I know a little bit about them. Well, you know, when you talk about standards, many people think they know what a standard is, but they don't. Um, there's many different, I guess, definitions of standards. Um, you know, what's an acceptable measurement or value? That's a standard. You hit a certain bench, benchmark. In fact, you hear that term quite a bit used with the term standard. Um, but standards in in many industries, at least what many manufacturers are focused on and end users are standards that establish authority. You know, we are we are in compliance with the standard of care. That's, of course, a legal statement where property owners, many of the people watching this program are concerned about. Are, are we maintaining our floors per a standard? Are we, um, you know, sanitizing our environment as relates to a, a published standard of authority? We want to make sure we're in compliance. And so when we talk about standards development, uh, it kind of goes back, at least in the United States, a couple hundred years ago, about 150 actually, where two organizations, the first one is the American Society of Testing and Materials, or ASTM, started producing standards uh, for, for the United States uh, in a wide range of industries. They were shortly followed by the American National Standards Institute, or ANSI. Uh, and again, these date back, Jeff, about 100 years or so. Uh, organizations like the National Fire Protection Association, NFPA, came about about a, about 100 years ago. And they all were birthed out of the necessity for, the, for standards. In other words, at that time, it was the wild, wild west. Uh, we, we, we look back in history and see major cataclysmic events like the Great uh, Chicago Fire or, or, you know, just fire hazards in general that burned down structures all the time, many, many thousands of people died, and there were no standards for fire protection or fire control awareness. There were no uh, fire extinguishers required. And so what happens is standards come about because of necessity. That really hasn't changed today. Uh, as far as what do I know about standards, I've been in the standards developing uh, business for uh, 25 years here with the National Floor Safety Institute. And prior to that, I was and still remain a member of the ASTM and uh, work on uh, projects with, with ANSI, ANSI, who currently promotes and sells the NFSI standards. Um, but when you really want to get into the weeds, um, the whole process is kind of like sausage making. You know, you don't really know what you don't know. Uh, your industry, ISSA, has the SIMS standard, which is a little bit different. Uh, SIMS is a standard that's written by and for uh, a specific industry, the Jansan industry. And so its uh, authority is kind of limited. So if you participate as a member of the SIMS standards committee and you and you comply with the SIMS standard, that's good for, 
for you within your industry. But outside of that, it doesn't have any le real legal weight or authority, I should say. Doesn't mean that it's not important. It just means it's it's limited. In the standards that I'm involved in writing, these are all nationally uh, adopted or nationally recognized what's called consensus standards. These are standards that are written not necessarily for a particular industry, but for a wide range of industries. So. Uh, the standards developing process, if you want to be what's known as a uh, standards developing organization, publishing consensus standards, you, you need to have a very, very de detailed uh, set of operating procedures, uh, selected committees representing numerous stakeholders. And it's, it's a long process, Jeff. Let me tell you, authoring a national standard takes an estimated three to five years. It's a long process, and that's good. It's deliberative because you want to make sure that everybody's voice is heard and, and everybody's represented within that standard because it does carry a level of authority that oftentimes, you know, you find yourself in, in a courtroom and, um, and, and you want to be able to defend yourself as saying, yeah, we've, we've complied with the standard of care. The sad thing is, Jeff, most people don't even know what the standard of care is. They don't even know what the standards in their industry are. Mm -hmm. um, and sadly, they find out, you know, when, when that lawsuit happens. But yeah, I know a little bit about standards, standards writings, and the use of standards, how they're applied. Um, and, and really where standards of all types have limitations. So okay. um, it, it's, a, it's a lengthy process. Yeah, three to five years. That was one of my questions. Um, but from what you described, would you say that standards are kind of reactionary to events, like a knee-jerk reaction? So, there's an issue with, you mentioned fire. So now there's a standard for that. Would you agree with that? Not proactive, Certainly. but reactive. Yeah. Certainly. Um, there are standards that are written for industries that we don't even know about. For example, the aerospace industry. Um, we fly an aircraft all the time, but we don't really know anything about the standards for, you know, manufacturing bolts and screws that go into an aircraft. There's a high level of, of uh, reliability that's needed for those items, but we, so. the public, don't really know that. Well, again, when we board a plane, we assume that it's safe. When we enter a building, we assume it's safe. When we eat food, we assume it's safe. And it's only when we find out, you know, that it's not safe, uh, that makes the news. So the, the goal is to keep everybody safe. So there is no, uh, you used a wonderful term, reactionary. That seems to be the way humanity, you know, mm -hmm. is, is we wait until a plane crashes. We wait until somebody gets sick. We're waiting until, you know, some massive cataclysmic disaster happens. And then we figure out, oh boy, we were not very well prepared. And that will oftentimes stimulate the, the development of standards. That's certainly what happened with the National Floor Safety Institute. The slip, trip, and fall problem in our country exploded uh, back in the mid-90s where uh, there really were no standards. I mean, if you go back to the 1997 when NFSI was founded, there were very, very few standards. ANSI had none, and the ASTM had maybe a couple, but they were not particularly uh, important. They really didn't address the problem of slip and fall prevention. So NFSI came along and kind of seized the uh, the ropes and and started writing standards. And today we're the leading standards developing organization, certainly in North America, um, possibly even the world. And and that sounds cocky, Jeff, but 
<laughs> nobody else is doing it. <laughs> so it's easy to claim, hey, you're number one, when mm -hmm. no one else really seems to have a vested interest in, in the subject. But uh, today, that's a different story. It's a, it's a big problem. And yes, it is oftentimes, standards are oftentimes developed by a, a form of reaction sure. to a problem. Well, I know we've talked in several recordings about the issues with slip and trip and fall and the lawsuits. And so these standards should help uh, moving forward with preventing those issues. But talk about this, Russ. So you talked about developing them, how long they take. So let's say I buy one. I, I, I buy one of your standards. What do you want to see me do with that? What does that look like? Another good question. Um, and by the way, standards are revised. Say you buy one, they're revised every five years or, or sometimes shorter if there's a, a, a change that the committee that develops the standard things needs, needs to happen. So first of all, buy the standard that's applicable to the time frame you need it. If you wanna buy a standard that was published in 1990, well, here we are in 2022, that standard is outdated. So make sure you have the current standard uh, for, for whatever reason you're purchasing it. But, but say you're buying a standard because you just wanna know what is it that you need to know? What do you need to do to be compliant? That's the key word, Jeff. And I assume that's why you would buy a standard is, just, is for that reason. I mean, they're not the kind of thing you buy and just read because they're fun. It's not like a novel. They're, they're very prescriptive, at least many of the standards that I've been involved in, in authoring are, are detailed. They talk about you know, defining terms, uh, how you apply the standard is really kind of up to you. An attorney will apply a standard differently than, say, a, a, a chemical cleaning company uh, manufacturer. But assuming you buy a standard, you're buying it for a reason. You're buying it because you want to know something about your industry, what whatever that standard might apply to. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, how you use it is really kind of interpretive. Um, you might want to just be putting out a, a, a newsletter, for example, and and uh, want to reference a particular standard because it, it has importance to the subject matter you're talking about. Remember, these are authoritative. That's the difference between a standard that's published by a, a nationally recognized consensus standards developers. They're authoritative. They carry weight. They have meaning. It's not just a it's not just a series of opinions. And by the way, Jeff, that's oftentimes what happens in legal matters where an attorney will say, well, Mr. Kinsey or the NFSI standards are not mandated. They're not part of the law. There's no requirement that we comply with these standards. And the answer is you're correct. They are voluntary, meaning you can choose to use them or not. There is no law, Jeff, that prevents people from having slippery floors. There are no laws that say you have to sell shoes that are you know, have a certain level of slip resistance. It's, it's We're in the United States of America and you can buy whatever you want and use it any way you want. The problem is when you, fi you find out that your floors were slippery or the shoes you were wearing were dangerous by way of a lawsuit. And that's where the standards do come in. Voluntarily applied or mandated somewhat is somewhat irrelevant because uh, whether or not you know it, everything will be judged and, and exposed at trial. It will come out. What did you know and when did you know it? So um, using standards are, for, you know, depending on the individual, are applied differently. And as I mentioned, they're interpreted a bit differently. Mm -hmm. One more question, Russ. Let's talk about the real impact of an industry standard. Have you, can you cite any examples of things that have really changed maybe in our industry because of a standard? 
Absolutely. Your industry has uh, historically been very, very slow to change. Uh, I remember going to the first ISSA show in the probably the mid 90s, very different organization. And the manufacturers of floor cleaning products, specifically floor polishes, openly and vehemently opposed standards. They didn't want, they don't want standards. And so uh, what happened is they kind of got stuck um, in, a, in a time warp. And they were, um, for example, the floor polish industry uh, then and now relies upon a standard published by the ASTM that originally came out, I think, in 1972 or 74. I mean, a long time ago, you know, 50 years ago almost. And it relies on a testing method called the James machine. This is a device manufactured by Underwriter Laboratories researcher Sidney James back in the 1940s, literally a World War II era testing device, uh, laboratory apparatus. And they prefer using that device, frankly, Jeff, because everything they had passed. If you wanna adopt a standard for your industry that is a very low bar, where every time we test our floor finish, we pass, okay, um, fine. Now, the problem is where that meets reality. A customer buys a floor finish, they put it in their environment, they wanna know, does that finish perform well in my grocery store, in my retail store, in my office building? I really don't care how well it tested in an ideal environment like your laboratory. I wanna know how's it test in my real world example, and that's where portable testers came about, and that's when the in your industry changed. Uh, although many manufacturers of floor finishes still use the James machine, and it's not necessarily an inaccurate or imprecise device, Jeff. It, it's a dry test method. You test floors under dry conditions using a leather sensor. Why? Because leather is the type of footwear people wore back in the 1940s. But let's speed the, the clock up. We're, not, we're in 2022. Nobody wears leather shoes. I think leather is like 6% of footwear manufacturing. And most slips and falls, certainly the majority, are on wet floors. So tell me how, how that floor finish would perform under wet conditions, conditions you, where people are wearing street shoes that have a plastic or rubber sole. And I guess to sum it up, Jeff, is if you want to pick a standard that you rely upon because it benefits you, because your product always passes, because it always looks favorable for you, but doesn't really work in the real world, you're going to find yourself in trouble real soon because we do live in a very litigious world. And today, lawyers sue everybody from the product manufacturers to the end users to you name it. Everybody gets dragged into the lawsuit. So good advice, Russ. Really appreciate it. And uh, well, I'm going to go read a standard. <laughs> It'll put you right to bed. Put you there right you to go. sleep. <laughs>